There is an experimental podcast. Good. Yeah, first podcast in months and yeah. uh, using all the experimental features on the recording software. I don't see how this can go wrong. Hello and welcome to the Robot Dice Explosion podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. And this is our... An experiment. We're recording an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thought, thought we'd uh, try something different. Um, this is our 2021 Game of the Year or Thing. retrospective yes. shit what we did in 2021, I guess, podcast. Well, we played games. Something like makes, what we did last change. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last last year we did a... I can't. Was it was it twenty twenty that we, we we did the twenty twenty nineteen like? Oh, uh, you're asking I, about the past. That's oh, just a confused blur. I point. talked about books and things like that. Yeah, which, probably. Which actually, I want to talk about books again. But maybe I'll just I'll list some things later if we have time, which we won't because it's already quarter past nine. Um, so we're going to do it a little bit differently uh, this time. Uh, so we have a few categories because obviously. Normally when you do a big game of the year podcast, you spend the entire year having a whole discourse going on mm. about all the things you're doing and all the things that are coming out. And then you wrap it up at the end of the year and referencing all that discussion mm. you had before. So obviously we can't really do that. We haven't done that much discussion. So this is going to make no sense. And I don't care. So that's the, that's the non-experimental part of this podcast. <laughs> yes. So um, these are the categories that we have come up with. Uh, there's no witty one for this first one. It's Christmas gifts. Um, just going to talk about the things that we've we got, got for given Christmas. Christmas. Yes. We're not going to rank those. Um, then we have uh, the second category, which is Aeronautica Imperialis presents the most divisive movement mechanic of the year award. Then we've got Ben's Indie Rabbit Hole. Uh, then we've got the We're Not a Bushido podcast Bushido moment of the year award. Uh, then most anticipated thing or for 2022, I mean, could have come up with a better name, thing we're looking forward to. Yeah, it's, it's mm. just looking forward into the year, basically. Yeah. Uh, then we will have uh, my individual game of the year list. My uh, individual game of the year list. Yeah, we both will be thinking about that over the course of the rest of this discussion. Uh, and then we will do a final Robot Dice Explosion uh, game of the year list so that final one will be we'll try and get it down to like three games and pick a winner the criteria there are something we both we've both played played. preferably together um and then our individual games of the year there's there's basically no restrictions on that i mean it might i mean i don't even know if i'm going to restrict it to game of the year i'll have to figure that out by the time i get there i suppose Uh, we'll try and pick a winner each and maybe have like a runner-up nomination or something uh, and I think everything else is just going to be a bit sort of freewheeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about stuff. Oh. I mean, it'll be no games. Promises. It'll be games related, mostly. Yeah. Right. So Christmas gifts. This is explicitly games. Games related. Yes. So I, I, I will let you start. Right. I got. Uh, I got. A, I got board games. Mm-hmm. I got First Martian, which is. Uh, as you might suspect, uh, a game about um, 
establishing a base on Mars, basically. Yeah, you are the, the first group of astronauts and you're running a base on Mars. Um, one of the reasons I got it was because it has several different play modes. So you can play individual games, which mm-hmm. is just like standalone games. And then it has two different um, campaign modes, effectively. Uh, a non-legacy one where you just play five link missions and you could replay that anytime. It's just five missions that carries a story. And then there's a legacy one as well, which is another five games, which is important for reasons we'll discuss later. <laughs> um, and that is non-replayable because you use up some things, but crucially it will not change the rest of the game. So mm-hmm. you could go back and replay individual, like play individual games of it, even after having done the legacy version. Yeah. Um, and then in a continuation of that theme, I got the last expansion for Terraforming Mars that I didn't own. So now <laughs> I own everything for that game. Yeah. Which is actually quite a lot. It turns out, yeah, I think it all fits in the box. Though, oh, yes, it, it all, it all box. fits into the original box. That's Shocking. actually a really big advantage because yeah. we both have games which are, oh, would you like to take over the, in my entire bookshelf with this one game? And yeah. that's actually a problem. I'm giving Super Fantasy Ball some side eye at the moment. It, um, yeah, it, I'm. Yeah, I'm interested in, in playing this with you. Um, yeah, I mean, briefly mentioned that we have been playing uh, legacy games of one type or another for probably like four, five, five years. Probably, five years now, say. I think. Yeah. Um, so that will probably be the next one, but uh, mercifully short, and we'll come yes. back to that. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Um, yeah, and Terraforming Mars. Uh, it's, a, it's an old favourite. Yeah, it's, I just I always really enjoy it. Um, I like that it's competitive without being spitefully so. Yeah. Like you, you, you're competition in the same sphere, but you're not really fighting one another. No, there's, there's, nice. there's not that many effects that like deliberately ruin stuff for each other. It's mostly, oh, I've crashed a meteorite into the planet. Sorry, I hit your field. You lose some plants. Yeah, or I released predators on your farm and, and ate some of your animals. Yeah, that's kind of the limit of it. Yeah, uh, um, we've played all of the expansions except for the one that you just got. Yes. Of course. I mean, we've only played colonies once. Yeah, found it a little bit confusing. Kind of didn't interact with it very much because you could just play the rest of the game and not do mm. that. Um, so we, I'll probably have to go back and read the rules for that, and then we'll try eventually a big game with like oh let's try all of it yeah I, I think so far my experience with terraforming mars expansions has been that the core game is so good that when you start adding things to it you have there to is be a, really good to to want to keep them yeah i think they have to break even like mm. so it can go one of three ways you can really add a dimension to the game mm-hmm. or you and this is expansions in general yes or you could absolutely undermine the way the game plays yeah or you could sort of break even you're just playing it in a different way yeah, you're you, just you might lose a bit thing, you might gain a bit but yeah. yeah and with all the extra cards added to terraforming yeah. Mars, i think that a lot of their expansions tend to be a break even yes. because you're adding a load of extra stuff which is cool it gives you loads of opportunities but it also means it's quite hard to combo some stuff because the likelihood of you oh, seeing of, of getting the cards, combo of those five cards together yeah. work really well is yeah. lower so I, mean, I would say yeah. I think the two best expansions they've done for it actually is the first one, which is just two additional maps, yep. and the prelude one, which is just here's some bonuses for the start of the game, which comes back to the whole, well, it just changes the game a tiny bit. Yeah, I mean, the prelude stuff, 
usually it ties into the corporation that you're going to take. So it allows mm. you to specialise a little bit earlier on, yes. I guess. Which, you know, is always it, it, risky because you don't know what you're going to draw. No, but, but it, it can give you a boost for the beginning of the game. So actually the game can play a little bit faster. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think, like, would you like the game to be a little bit shorter? Cool. Yeah. Um, and it's fun because once you've played it a couple of times and then you get the preludes, you can start going, oh, oh my I'll, God, this is going to be fantastic. I want that because then I might be able to do these things. Yeah. It might not work, but you can hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... Let's move on to what I got for Christmas. Now, I actually think uh, I only got one game for Christmas. I'm trying to... I bought myself a bunch of things, but that doesn't count. So, uh, I was given My Little Scythe, which... It's I, actually quite a good game. Never played it. I love Scythe. Uh you know, sort of traditionally, in a way, played it once a year when we were yes. going to UK Games Expo, and it's always fun it's watching Graham not understand how the game works round after round. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, because it's a game that uh, was designed by a young girl with her dad, mm. um, you know, I've got a three year old, I would like to get him into board games. Mm. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to give it at least two, three, four years before he actually wants to really play something like that, yeah. I think. But it was on my wish list because I just, you know, I thought I'd stick it on my wish yeah. list. And so my nephew picked it up for me. And I think I, I I wanted it for multiple reasons. That, but also because my wife really enjoys Terraforming Mars because of that sort of... Uh, Lack of competition, so yeah. playing your own game, but having to keep an eye the, on what's the, developing. The, the lack of the aggressive. Yeah. And I, I think Scythe does have that lack of aggression. But up to a point. Yeah, there is a certain amount of like, oh, I got into the middle first and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, but I, I think it's it might be providing too many options up front. Um, and so I want to try my little Scythe because, uh, because I, I feel like it might be fun for the two of us to play. Um, I assume you can play it two-player. Uh, I think so. Mm. Um, I mean, I've played it once, maybe twice. Mm. Um, it's actually quite good. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, it's on my shelf now. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to giving that a go. I mean, I I can't say when that'll be because I bought Terraforming Mars for my wife's birthday. In, the card game. Yeah. Uh, it, oh, no, was it? No, it's for our anniversary. anniversary I got it in, in the end. September? Yes, September. Uh, and we haven't played it yet. We've opened it up and looked at it. Yeah. Um, admittedly, she's had a master's degree going on. We've been decorating the house after an extension. And, you know, there's, there's... things have been a little busy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that, we that's... might have time to do that soon, though. Yeah. I, I, I would like to. I, yeah, obviously, I'd like to play it. That's mm. why I bought it for her. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, we're not ordering anything there. That's just like some stuff to warm us up. That, that's, our, to that's our top three. Talking to each other in person in front of mm. the microphone again. That is our top three, yeah, in no particular <laughs> order. Um, so, yeah, the next uh, next category is Aeronautica Imperialis presents the most divisive movement mechanic. Uh, we have one nominee, that's Aeronautica Imperialis. Mm -hmm. We have a winner. <laughs> so this comes down to, for, for people who haven't played it, Aeronautica Imperialis is uh, Games Workshop's like 40k X-Wing. Yeah. But with, is it hex-based? Yes. 
Yeah, it's yeah, space. space. Yeah, that helps if I remember that when we're about to discuss the movement mechanic. Uh, isn't it? Yes, it's sort of important to the movement mechanic, actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, I this this was it. This was interesting because we played it. I I effectively bought into it because they released some Elder. Yeah, and I you have a soft spot for. I Elder. have a soft soft spot for Elder. I really like the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I played them back in. Well, I started. That was my first faction in 40k. I started right. in second edition, where they were um, interesting in the <laughs> sense that they had several things that just broke the game multiple ways. I mean, I think they almost have a history of doing that early on anyway, yes. in, in multiple games. Yes, yes, that has happened multiple times in yeah. different games. Um, that wasn't why I picked them, no. but... Um, because, point of years. Yeah. Um, so, and I've always liked... I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but I remember when the Plastic Falcon yeah. was released, and it looked really cool. I mean, it's the oldest... Yes, to be able to, the Rhino has been it's updated. It's the oldest still-in-production plastic yes. vehicle kit. Yes, the Rhino has been updated. And it still looks good. Yeah. So I imagine that now they could do a little bit more with it, but it still looks good. Anyway. So I picked them up because... They look cool. Yeah. So we were like, let's try a game. And you borrowed some orcs. Yeah. And we played a three-player game of orcs versus Eldar versus Tau. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the way the manoeuvring works is there are, I think, eight... Eight different manoeuvres. ...manoeuvres. And you have a pilot, like, skill rating yes. or whatever, which is uh, up to eight. Yes. And you can do all the manoeuvres up to and including that number. Yeah. So Elder can do eight, by and large, or uh, seven? The, the fighters can do all eight, and the bombers uh, can only do seven. Only seven. <laughs> I think the orcs can do, like... Four or five, something Four or like. five, or three or four, I can't remember. <laughs> Not many. Um, and so, I mean, that, that's nice in itself. And obviously, when they brought this out, they had to do something different to X-Wing, X-Wing which yes. is so pervasive. Um, they had done Aeronautica Imperialis before, yes, and it was more free form movement. Yes, you that was more the deck of cards and miniature, stuff. yeah, traditional miniature ish. Yes, to turn through. I think it was like turn through forty five degrees, then move. Yeah, that stuff. sort of thing. Well, I, I may be wrong, so no emails, no censors uh, no emails. Um, so with this, they've gone with a hex based system. So you uh, you select your. Ring, you have a token, you place it face down, so, everyone reveals the tokens at the same time, and then you yeah. take turns executing them. Yeah, so it, it, it's sort of like X-Wing in that way, that it's, you decide early and yeah. then you hide it. Uh, again, that was in the original Aeronautica yes. Imperialis as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the, I was the, interested in this initially. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked pretty cool it looked like a simple way to do it shall we just the, the way the maneuvers work is effectively like you'll start off by traveling in a direction mm-hmm. and then increasingly as the maneuvers get higher in numbers basically you get more and more options so you'll move a few squares then turn in a direction then maybe move some more squares then maybe turn again mm. and then and and depending on the maneuver there's limits on which ways you can turn so, yeah. and you can do things like flips but you can also do also like you can end up Combining the maneuvers with your speed and everything, if you have access to all of them, you can end up in a very large portion of the map facing yeah. pretty much any way you want. Now, there is a speed and altitude mechanic, yes. which we should mention, because while it is part of the move mechanic, it's mm. not the divisive part for us. No. Um, so I, I like that speed is, you know, you can adjust your throttle, I think, at the end of your move. Uh, is that right? Yeah, or something like that. Oh, I can't remember. It's been so the beginning, I think. Okay. 
Um, so you can notch that up or down by a certain amount, yes. depending on your pilot. And there's a minimum amount of spaces you need to move in between each turn and stuff. Yeah. And speeding up, if you go up altitude, you lose speed. Yes. And if you go, if down, you go down, you, you gain increase speed. speed. Uh, so all of that actually I, I really like and you can end yeah. up being unable to gain speed back and sort of just crashing and yeah. burning and I think also you can stall you can stall if you're going too fast or high uh, you, yeah you, you have, if you go if you exceed you have a, a, a speed limit effectively which is mm-hmm. how fast you can safely travel if you um, manage to dive and exceed that your aircraft might start breaking up and take damage yeah all that's really cool and I think it's very elegantly implemented yes it actually worked really well yeah so let's get to the divisive part where the actual maneuvers. Yeah. The thing is like you look at the the, the sheet which shows you what you're meant to be doing and it, the graphic design's reasonably good. It does communicate. Mm-hmm. I mean it took me a couple of times looking at it to like really understand what they were saying with some of it, but it does make sense. My problem is <laughs> I look at them and then I look at the board and I'm like I I have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out where I'm going to end up. Yes. Because with X-wing I don't necessarily have to stick. grab the measuring sticks mm. and put them on the board. I can look over to the side at them and go, okay, I can see how that's going to affect me on the board. But with this, it's very hard without counting hexes mm. to figure out how it's going to work for you. Be- being the elder player, I was counting a lot of hexes. But exactly. I actually... The, the, the difference here is that I actually quite like the movement system. It was once I, I got over the whole, oh my God, what can I do with this? And it turns out the answer is pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, because I was playing Elder and you can go really fast and pick from pretty much all the maneuvers. So it's kind of like, where would you like to be? Yeah. Okay. Pick the appropriate maneuver. Yeah. Um, but once you got over that bit of going like, oh my God, this is confusing. It actually started for me. It started going like, okay. Then it becomes much, then it suddenly became much more like, okay, well, what do I predict I need to do? Mm. Because I could just pick the appropriate maneuver to achieve the effect I wanted. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm at the other end of it where I can't see myself playing the game enough times to where I can look at the maneuvers and go, oh, I know exactly what I want, want to choose. Then that was the nice thing about playing as orcs for me. Where it's like blunt instrument, like you don't have that many choices. Mm. Oh, there were several times where I picked the maneuver and go like, oh yes, this is what I want. And then when it came time to execute the maneuver, I realized, oh, this is doing something different than I thought. Yeah, yeah. And so my plane ended up in a position where I was like, well, this is a problem now. Yeah. I think it it didn't kill game for me. Like I would I would play it again. There are other reasons why I was like, oh, maybe yes. not so interested. Um, yes, ironically, the bit of the game I thought was the worst bit is the most standard. Certainly, when it comes to Games Workshop, which was the shooting mechanic, which was fine, but it's it's very Games Workshop. Look, what we have with dice is you're you're creating odds, but your reason you're rolling dice multiple times is to try and cut down what a D six is really doing mm-hmm. and make you feel like you're doing a thing. Quite often, you could roll a D twenty, and the odds would sort of line up with what you're trying to achieve yeah. with three rolls of a D six or something. Yeah, um, and it essentially means. Like it does the GW thing of like you roll dice quite a bit and quite a lot of nothing happens when you do that. Yeah, it was things like okay, my my close combat fighter opens up with fourteen dice, and after rolling a couple of times, it turns out I did literally nothing. Yeah, and it's like oh, well, that's disappointing. It is, and it, it means that, so they've gone with the. I mean, this is way out of topic now. Like but okay, really, we, we've dealt with the movement mechanic. Let's have a rant. Um, <laughs> it. 
you you have this situation where they, they they've gone for okay, so vehicles like the vehicles, planes, whatever, yeah. can can take you know two, three, four hits, and that's it. Mm. So they have to cut the odds down of those hits because otherwise planes disappear too fast. Yeah, and I much I would have much preferred if they doubled the number of hits a plane could take and mm-hmm. had a bunch of like uh, critical damage effects that sort of make that spiral out of control. But yeah. instead, it's just a bit like oh, nothing happened again. Yeah, cool. And I've never felt that with X Wing. Like you, like well, at least I stripped some shields off, or at least yeah. I gave him a crit which he now needs to repair. Now there are some crits that you need to repair in this. Yes, but it's but, all just a bit of a yes. Wet I, I would also have preferred two or three times the amount of hit points on each yeah. plane, uh, more higher accuracy, so you would do more things, mm. and then a whole bunch of critical effects impacting speed, steering options, yeah. all sorts of things. Um, Especially because you're not you're not using that many planes. It's going to be like a handful. Well, this was going to be my next thing. It's like how many? Like, I think we did what a hundred points or something. I don't I don't know what a standard game is, but let's say a standard game is bigger. Like the defense for I this two hundred maybe. Yeah. So maybe the defense for this this system is that well actually you play with lots more planes. So the game is less about is this plane doing a thing, but more about like how are you bringing. You know, all your fire power yeah. to bear on an individual mm. thing. It's about ganging up. Um, so I have a couple of like, but even if you end up with like that. half a dozen to eight planes, then that's not that many models to keep track of. Yeah, but it, yeah, especially but it's when you also, have a sheet with them on. You're rolling so many fucking dice, and nothing's happening with them. So the answer to that is to roll more dice. It, it just becomes a bit like, but there's still nothing's happening. Like, yeah, exactly. And also, for me. When you put planes on the table, I I don't want it to be, oh, these three fighters ganged up to take out this one bomber. I want it to be dogfighting. Mm. And it's not because because the chances of you doing anything are so low. Admittedly, when you get a hit, like if you think mm. about like World War II dogfighting yeah. or whatever, like, yeah, if, you, if you're scoring hits, like you're doing things... Mm. Um, I don't know. I, just... I mean, you, you you can definitely you can definitely set it up to improve your odds and just like well, I'll keep in the high probability band of achieving things. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes that doesn't work, even if you set it up correctly. But sometimes, a lot of the time, it will. Yeah. Um. But yes, no. I would have preferred a dice slash hit point system of higher effect but more resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, I think we need to. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've done half the time on, yeah. <laughs> on the movement character, half the time on the rest of the game. I'll play it again. It's, yeah. you know, it's I, I, I played it again as well, and I really liked the plane. The models were uh, oh, really, beautiful, really nice. So. Yeah, I mean, shock. Uh, yeah, exactly. It turns out they do pretty models. Yeah, they, they're good at that. They're pretty good at that. Okay, so mm. uh, the next award category, whatever you want, is uh, Ben's Indie Rabbit Hole. Um so I did really well this year of not buying miniatures for most of the year, which was good because I was trying to keep track of, uh, you know, not buying more models than I painted or whatever. But mm-hmm. basically, because we had the extension start um, the end of March or beginning of April or whatever, uh, I I stopped doing hobby. Yeah. And I mean, it sort of sounds a bit weird, but it just, you know, we, we put stuff away and it was all just a bit of an arse to get it out. And then once the extension was finished, it was like, well, we should be decorating. And then also I'd fallen behind on work stuff, so I had to do it. So I just didn't for, do hobby for ages. For many reasons, yeah. 
So for a long time, I had a lot of discipline, like not, not buying any miniatures, not buying any miniatures, that's fine. And I didn't really feel the need to. I mean, I bought a few STL files mm-hmm. that I will use. Which is not quite point. the same thing. Oh, they're not counting on my list. When I print them, they count. Yeah. Because they're only, the guilt is only there if I print them. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I got the money spending. The I got the capitalism hit. Yes, but uh, none of the guilt. So you know, there you go. Excellent. That's what the ideal. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, that happened. Um, but I've been looking at a few rule sets for a, for a while, or a couple of them. I found um, a few. <clears throat> Oh, well, the ones I've been looking at for a while. <laughs> uh, I mean, Horizon Wars, I think I bought last year, actually. Yes. Which is... Uh, Do you mean 2020? Uh, yeah, well, yes. This is 2022. So it, it, I bought it, it probably in 2020, I think. Yes. Um, and that's essentially like a, a 6 to 12, 6 to 10, whatever, yeah. uh, millimeter mech game. Well, mech, you know, combined arms yes, game. Yes, yes. Um, but it's got mechs in it, so it's a mech game. Um, so I, I bought that. that and future, future combined arms combat. Thing. Yeah. And I've talked about that on the podcast before, actually. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I have. Anyway, I lent it to Tony and then forgot I'd lent it to him. Yes, you uh, thought I had it. Because I visited him between <laughs> lockdowns. Uh, so... I'm going to treat it as I kind of got it back this I'm year, and therefore fair, it's because we again. didn't actually get to do anything with it. Yeah, uh, so I'd seen that. Um, I'd also seen uh, a game called Round of Fire. Yeah, which was uh, it's, it's designed by the Lazy Forger or the Lazy Gamer. Um, he uh, he's done some really nice uh, like scratch build scenery over the years, mm. and. Uh, couple of little game projects and so on but uh, this was his 28 mil largely sort of contemporary modern stuff that mm. you can use it for medieval and things if you you know you, if you, you put the rules in the right places and so on tweak it correctly um so i finally bought the pdf of that this year the reason i was always so interested in it was uh the essentially like turnless mechanic mm. you have a a wheel and every time your unit does something, you advance a number of spaces around that wheel, and you don't get to use that unit again until you move around the wheel to where they are now. Mm. And so it ends up with this sort of, you know, this back and forth, but it's like rolling around yeah. the activation system. And I, I'm, you know, me, I love a good dice mechanic and I love a good uh, activation, activation system. system. And well, it's an interesting one. It really is. Um, I think the problem is with this. So I read a lot of the PDF and honestly, it just seemed really, really wordy. And I sort of got to the end of the PDF and was like, wait, where's the, where's the game? And then that, that sound, I think that probably is unfair. Might probably, be a, yeah. a, a, a factor of when I was reading it and so on. Uh, yes. At night time, yeah, whatever. Um, but I left it actually not feeling very excited about playing the game itself. Hmm. Um, and after a while, I think I figured out that part of that is to, due to it not really having its own setting. Yes. I don't care much for like background in general, and, but and, yeah, it, and, and this may also be a problem with Horizon Wars, um, because it doesn't really have its own setting. Yeah. But what I would say the difference between the two of them is they, Round of Fire really expects you to build y- units quite in quite a nitty-gritty like quite quite yeah. de- a lot of detail 
which when you first come to a game is asking a lot. Whereas Horizon yeah. Wars, you can kind of like the list building can be a little bit um, intimidating simply because of the, the way that it's like, oh, you took your this type of command, which means that these You're other not, units yeah. have. But it's not bad, and the the construction of units. The is construction easier. of units is easier. It's simpler. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to play it. Round yeah. of Fire. I definitely want to play Horizon Wars. Um, Round of Fire. I, I'm hoping that the activation mechanic and the units that they provide in the book, yeah, uh, you know, invigorate me a little bit. Yeah. Um, what I will say is that when I printed it out, I printed out the. Uh, the print-friendly version, yeah. and one of the icons. And it's got a very interesting like cost uh, yes. system for, for different units. Uh, but one of the icons that it uses for that... It doesn't show up in the print-friendly version. It, I mean, you may as well be trying to print it in white. I think it's like a really pale yellow, maybe, or something, but I, I basically can't see it. I can I can tell it's there if there's a little plus sign before it. Yes. You know? Well, you can sort of tell by the absence of anything in that space. Yes, exactly. Which is um, problematic, but it's what it is. I will just quickly talk about that cost system. That's really cool. Yeah, essentially you have a points system and then you have a few different factions um, which are, you know, uh, not, not vague. I can't think, I haven't got the vocabulary right now, but like... Not, yeah. They're more like concepts than, yeah. than factions. But they will, they will say, oh, you know, uh, this... This I'm going to do colours because I can't remember all the icons, but this purple icon will cost you 10 points, this blue one will cost you 30 points, but this yellow one, well, that it's doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, that one's free. And let's say that that yellow one... I actually think it's blue. But let's say that that's yellow one is ones to uh, personnel or whatever. Yeah. Like just You look at it and you're like, oh, that's a picture of people or whatever. If you pick the... Um, the in, I think it's the... In, Insurgent. Insurgency faction, they get that icon for free. So yeah. then you go and look at the units and if you find a militia unit they cost you know certain number of points for, plus 40 plus that icon yeah, for instance plus that icon which means that they are then cheaper for that faction i haven't decided yet if i think it's genius or unnecessarily convoluted it could be both because you could kind of just write all of that down into it, it yeah it like maybe it's necessitated by the modularity of the whole unit building system. Well, because some some of the icons also appear in some of the options and stuff. <clears> yeah. So, so I I think if I get some units built and um, you know, we just have a crack at that. I, yeah. I, 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 it's promising. Um, I haven't decided. I, the other side of it is I haven't decided what miniatures to use with it. Like Horizon Wars is fairly easy. You go, oh, we've we've both got um, epic armies. Yeah, we've both got epic armies. I'm not sure I really want to run walks in it, but whatever. No, um, well, it turns out I would wouldn't mind running Eldar because yeah. I really like. And but equally, we've both got uh, drop zone commander yes. stuff. Some yes, I think you're a bit short on infantry for that. Uh, yes, I, I bought some vehicles to go to fill out the gaps in that drop fleet range. Basically, yeah. it turns out that game is a disappointment. So yes, so um, something not being used for that. <laughs> So, yeah, I can see what we manage things for that. I can see what we could use for Horizon Wars. Um, it's got a cracking dice mechanic. So, yeah, no, it's really interesting. Uh, okay, so, um, I, I was actually going to list these, but these are the two that have been on my, um, radar the longest. much longer. Um, then I guess the one that I have to talk about next, um, is Turnip 28, which you were painting stuff for. I mean, I haven't started painting it yet. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, uh, I've seen pictures of things for. 
people should go and check out Turnip 28. There is a Patreon. You don't have to actually pay. It's just, it's there if you want to give Max tips. Uh, it's all pretty much designed by Max. He do, He's a, an illustrator, so he does um, a lot of the art, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also has got some really cool artists to come in and do art for the rulebook. So the latest version of the rulebook, version 16, I think, mm-hmm. which, you know, treat it almost like a 0.16. It's, it's not, you know... No, it's not the 16th edition. No. Uh, but the production is beautiful like it's great illustrations fancy printed rule book it's very nice it it harks back to the uh like the classic uh games workshop uh production of some stuff where like you might get a little can you remember the white dwarf where they had those little illustrations running across the bottom of the pages oh yeah well it's got a bit of that going on yes yes it does but uh turnip 28 is both like dystopian and uh, extremely silly. So it's sort of, you know, everything is misery, but uh, devote yourself to the root. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, mm. You've got to go and look at it. But what, what its unique selling point, I guess, is do a bunch of conversions with these really cheap, like, historical kits and paint everything with lots of mud and sludge and don't... It doesn't matter. You're, yeah. You're good. In fact, the muddier, the better. So it then tied into something that's been lacking in my hobby, where I've been buying a lot of miniatures and painting those miniatures. And I used to, like when I was a kid and, you know, Mm. not even that many years ago, I was all about converting models. Apparently, my mum said I used to call them my mutants. I don't know. I had like a rogue traitor plastic space marine box set and I would glue different bits on and melt things and whatever. It was all probably horrible. But converting is something that has gone from a lot of... It's so much harder with any GW kits these days. Um, Mm. Since I built to work in a certain way and that's it. Yeah, and I have a certain attitude of like, well, I'm, I'm a sculptor. So like if I need a thing, maybe I should sculpt it. When I could actually probably kit bash it and just yeah. like stick it together, so I then got a bit excited about doing that again. Mm. Something that's been missing, um, and it's yeah, it sort of reinvigorated my uh, interest. Never been that in much that of stuff. a fan of it, partly because I'm not very good. You fucking hate putting models together, though. I'm actually okay putting models together. No, but you, it's well, it's, okay. it's everything. Well, depends on how easy they are. Yeah. Once it comes to pinning, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Hand it to me. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. I actually really like putting things together. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, the, yeah, and, and that's one of the differences. Like the hobby side is like I'll do it, mm. but I need motivation outside of oh, I can paint these. Yeah, and like I'll paint them for a reason, mm. but I probably won't just paint them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you you, said, you mentioned that I got, I got it printed. Uh, I'm gonna quickly plug a website if you're in the uk uh for getting things printed docs direct um it's, it's very nice yeah it's not someone leaking your address online um, <laughs> which it does sound like but i think it is d-o-x direct it's not d-o-c-s yes anyway um so i got i got this rule book printed in it was because the rule book's free so i got it printed in a5 hardback mm. like 20 quid I think yeah, something like that. Something said. like yeah. that. Lovely matte finish, front oh, cover. Yeah. Like I went with the heaviest weight that they had for the paper going throughout it. Uh, it's lovely. 
And, mm. and you know, I could have waited for the next. Like 16A will be the one with the typos sorted yeah. out and um, minor, minor balance changes. Um, but I just thought, you know, bollocks to it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm, I do not regret it. It's a really nice little book. Um, so when I went to Salute, which yeah. happened, yeah. Um, obviously, I've run a stand there. Uh, it was a weird salute because there were 30 traders, I think, give or take, who either didn't show up or cancelled. Yeah. So my normal six-foot stand was next to a 12-foot, which didn't show up, and behind me was a 12-foot who didn't show up. So I could have had an 18-foot wide stand if only I had that many products. <laughs> uh, I mean, you hadn't planned for, for three times the space just on the off chance. It turns out, though, because we went to like pegs uh, with actual baggies on of yeah. products and stuff, like some kind of real store this year, uh, last year, uh, uh, the 12-foot was almost ne- like a necessity. Nine mm. foot would have been okay. Six foot would have been a squeeze. Just yeah, especially given the whole pandemic nature yeah. of things, would have been just a super spreader event in itself. Um, so anyway, I bought some shit. I bought some Moonstone. Yeah, because uh, I do love painting those models. And I then went and bought two boxes of Perry miniatures, uh, some like mercenaries. You know, the kind of box where you get like forty uh, infantry for uh, twenty five quid. Yeah. Bunch of models. Yeah, a bunch of models. Um, and I've got some French pe- blokes on horses from the Napoleonic, okay, whatever. Because sure. the Things. aesthetic with Turnip 28 is basically anything up to sort of uh, Napoleonic. Yeah, I was going to say it's muddy Napoleonics. But bring some like, uh, maybe like Hundred Years War or War of the Roses armor mm-hmm. into it as well. Yeah. It kind of nonsense, but it's kind of it, yeah, it, it, looks, it, it looks, looks cool. great. Oh, and also stick grass tufts on everything in silly places. Uh, that's really good for covering up gaps in joins where oh, an arm doesn't up. match a yeah. body from a different kit, yeah. etc. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the, the talking a lot about this, and we're definitely going to have to postpone the second half of this podcast. But yeah. The <laughs> mechanically, turn of twenty eight is like uh, pretty straightforward. But one thing I really like is that they have they call things instead of like accuracy and resilience, yes. it's inaccuracy and vulnerability. Yes, and it just fits in the sort of pathetic like nature of last ditch yeah. attempt of uh, in nature of everything. Yeah, um, people should give it a fucking look. Um, I mentioned while talking about that that everything should be covered in sludge. This brings me to the next game that I discovered because of Turn at 28, which is a game uh, by Sean Rutter. No, Stutter? Sean Stutter. I mean, yeah, Rutter sounds rude. So um, he he did a game called like Relic, Relic something? Relic Blade? Relic Blade. Yeah. Uh, so it's part of this uh, magazine that comes out pretty much, I think, once a year called Blaster. Volume 3, he had this whole war game in there. And it has some similarities to Turnip in that it's all everything. Sutter. 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 Okay, Sean Sutter. Uh, anyway, um, everything's muddy and miserable. Um, there's a sort of, it's, what would you call it? They called it Black Powder Plus, I think. Sort of as if the apocalypse happened. And... Fantasy war games in a doom age of black powder. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, so... It, there's some fantasy elements in it, but 
what I'll say is like I can use a fair bit of my turn at 28 stuff for sludge, so that's a bonus. But the the attitude to the game development was sort of like war is horrible. I mean, that's not wrong. Yeah, and and stressful. So every time anything happens, basically, you're placing gore tokens on the board. Really like that concept, yeah, actually. And then you also gain stress, and uh, I think it's like stress makes it harder to pass tests, and gore make you take makes you take tests. Um, so there's all you could almost call it like the uh, darkest dungeon of mm. skirmish games. It needs more models than turn at twenty eight, I think. But, um, so I was just really fascinated by that. So I picked uh, I picked up Blaster. Uh, it's also got a bunch of expansions for other games in it. Um, but uh, I am really looking forward to giving that a go. Uh, but turn at twenty eight will be before that. Um, I'm going to try and move on and round this out pretty quickly. So uh, another part of Blaster Volume 3 is an expansion for Gamma Wolves. Yes. Which is done by Guerrilla Wargaming uh, guy whose name I can't remember right now. Ash Barker. Uh, and that is essentially a sort of 28, 32 mil um, skirmish mech game. With built-in like campaign mechanics, yes, that's campaign mechanic, that's factions, an uh, experience system. Yeah, and I really, I, I I watched a video of it. I watched a video of Ash Barker on his YouTube uh, channel explaining what the game was, and I was like, oh, there's some interesting ideas in here. Um, I love a good mech miniature, a good mech miniature, mm. not fucking what's the one you played, BattleTech. BattleTech, yeah, a good. I like good mech miniatures. Come out me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I really like the way it was sort of. Okay, the pilots are their lives are short because everything is a. It's in the twenty third millennium, and we've ruined the whole world. Yes, uh, it. I mean, <laughs> so it's something that Sean Satter said in the intro to Sludge is like, yeah. So twenty twenty has been a year, and. Uh, this game reflects like that in no small part, like how mm. fucking miserable uh, he was feeling about things. And uh, I think that attracted me, and I think it did the same with Gamma Wolves. I like a bit of a dystopia. So anyway, your pilots aren't tied to your mechs. Mm. So you have mechs in this crawler. Yeah. Imagine a sand crawler. You're going out in a, with a bunch of mechs, a bunch of pilots, and trying to scavenge and, the ship. And the mechs are modular. The mechs are modular. Uh, the builder mech system uh, is pretty Simple. straightforward, honestly. Uh, it goes right. There's three weights of mech. They generally you do it by base size. So if it's on a smaller base, yeah. then it's a light mech, medium, heavy. Yes. And the the mech itself is free, I believe. But then yes. you buy the weapon system. All of the equipment. Yeah. Which is mostly weapon system, yeah. but can also be other things. And you you pay for the pilots as well of course. Mm. but uh yeah but you pay that's a separate resource yeah so generally let's take oh you've got a machine gun of some kind on a light mech it might be 10 points on a medium 20 and on a heavy 30, 30 because it'll but be better the, the rate of fire or whatever will be higher um you know with if you've got missiles 
and they are limited. Yeah, so the anti-tank get... missile is limited, and you basically yeah. get one per size category, one yeah. shot. So a light one only has one, a medium has two, and a heavy has three. Yeah, the, um, only the heavy can get artillery, I think, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Uh, and only uh, and the heavy can't get some like jet maneuvering stuff because you have to pay for your uh, propulsion or whatever mm, it is. Yes, well, some of the propulsion has. Some propulsion types have special rules. Mm. Uh, I think the heavies can have jet propulsion. It's just expensive. No, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I've read it this. I read it this afternoon, and I've forgotten the specific details. Yeah. Worth pointing out, it doesn't actually have to be max. Um, do you have as an example of, for instance, medium ones? You're like, well, it can also be tracked vehicles. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, I mean, there's, there's an argument that you could say, oh, look, I've got a couple of Space Marine models. They count as light mechs because of the base size. Well, the, 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 kind basic, of are. the basically explicitly goes like, well, light mechs are more like armored combat suits. Yeah. So, actually, yeah. Space Marine is not too far off. Yeah. Uh, what the other, what's the other things? Uh, so, you, oh, it does, it does the rule of threes thing, which I like. I've liked ever since I played Flames of War, whatever edition it was I played through. Um, I don't know what, a, what they're on now. Not that, the one a, before. A long time ago. Yeah. Where well, you've got your three weights of mech and then you've got your three, like, qualities of yes, pilot. pilots. Yeah. And I think even then you can have, like, a, um, oh, what do they call it? An, an ace. An ace. But you can have a rookie ace. Yes. It's just a really promising rookie. Yeah. Basically gives you an additional skill and yeah. makes the pilot more expensive. And you can stress your uh, your reactor in your mech to do certain pretty stuff. M- pretty much everything, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but you need to, like, deal with that stress on the, on that. But then you can also stress your pilot. And I think if your, me- if your, uh, if your reactor is really stressed, then your pilot starts getting really stressed as well. And it's all yeah, it starts over. taking damage and things. It also has an interesting mechanic where to deal with, you, you effectively try and get rid of reactor stress on each mech at the end of the turn. Yeah. But you have a resource they call War Clock, mm. which is effectively like your logistics. So it's like well, how much fuel and ammunition stuff do you have access to? And getting rid of reactor stress, which sort of symbolizes resources spent on your mech, yeah. decreases your war clock. And once your war clock runs out, that's it. You're withdrawing. Well, in the end, like your mech is a is a resource, an expensive one. Mm. And if it runs out of fuel in the middle of an operation, yeah. and it, I mean, ne- never mind the pilot, mm. that that's a bit of hardware that's just out there doing nothing, being scavenged by someone else. So you're not going to let that happen. Yeah. I think the war clock represents that yes. as well. Yes, as it like does. It's like your exposure to you, radiation, maybe. Yeah, you you've used your available resources. You're going to have to go back now. Mm. So this is an interesting one where it's like a pretty evocative setting with some modular rules, and I'm actually really psyched to to mm. give it a go. Uh, oh, there was another thing to mention about it. Oh god, a really evocative setting with oh yes. So you pick an arcology. Yes, which is you know what what sort of where are you from? Yeah. if you like, it's, it's your faction. Yeah, and it will have restrictions on what kind of pilots you can take and what weights of mechs you can take, how yes. many, and, and so yes. on. Um, so you know, it does the fairly cliche thing of like, oh, the sort of Russian one can take, it must take at least one heavy, heavy mech. Yes. And it can only take like up to one light mech. Yes. And you get various mixes of that sort of thing. Um, the one I'm, the one faction I'm looking at, the Ghost of Tiamat, mm-hmm. are nanobots. Yes. So they don't have pilots. Yes. Which is interesting. So all of your pilots are trained, which is the middle category. Yeah. And if you're playing campaign, sorry, you don't get to advance. Yeah. But equally, you don't, you don't suffer die. from a lot of the negatives yeah. of, 
oh, well, your pilots don't take extra damage for being exposed to radiation or anything because you don't have any. Hmm. I think one of the things I really liked about the way things are built is the way that he just sort of says, look at what mechs you've got, yeah. look at what core models you've got, and go, look, okay, what's the base size? Yeah. That's the weight. What weapons has it got on it? Oh, that's probably a machine gun. Oh, that's probably a missile launcher. Yeah. And point them up and put them on the board. Yeah. Just like it can't be that balanced because it's modular. Like that, you have to just sort of accept it and just have a bit of fun with it. Have a campaign. And of course, like because it'll only be a campaign between a couple of us, we can always like tweak it. Yeah. The bonus was when I was like, "Oh God, I've bought these bloody indie games." Uh, James turned around and went, "Oh yeah, I bought Gamble Wars uh, a while back. I really want to give it a go." What shocker! You re- yeah. yeah, you read the book uh, when I'll... you were around at mine and bought it the next day yeah. or the same evening or something. So that's three of us. Yeah. James wants to play it at fifteen mil because he's got a bunch of things he can use at fifteen yeah. mil. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff which I can use at anything between like. Six and twenty-eight, so yeah. that's fine. Um, I've got a few files and so on. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to giving that a go. Uh, Going to move on. Hard War is a Horizon Wars, but uh, bought by the licensed by Strato Minis. So it's basically using their miniatures yeah. to play the game. Um, honestly, having looked at it, it kind of feels like an unnecessarily uh, complicated Horizon Wars, and I'm not sure I'm very excited about it, but I will give it a go. Mm. I just... Well, I mean, once we've gotten to the point where we can play Horizon Wars, then it should be fairly simple to try that one as well. Precisely, yeah. Although some things do change quite fundamentally. I think it loses some of the elegance that Horizon Wars has. Mm. Uh, anyway, there's that. Uh, and then there's one final thing, which is currently in beta test called Full Spectrum Dominance currently, I think. Uh, they want different or a better name it's uh, by the lazy gamer again mm-hmm. uh, from like round of fire except this is for six mil really but you can play it at 15 mil you just have to have a bigger board yeah okay and uh, uh, it's got some interesting stuff going on um, I'm not going to talk too much about it but it's, it's like saga you roll dice and yeah. that gives okay. you then the ability to order yeah. things around uh much like Ranfar, I think some of the wording could be clearer. English not his first language, but he does have plenty of playtesters and people yeah, putting yeah. input into that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I need to share that with you off air. So I'm going to rank these really quickly. Yeah, okay, yeah. So the one I'm into right now is turn at 28. It's got me back into doing converting. Yeah. I'm interested to play it i've managed to persuade james that he should do it and he's already painted like almost an army of course one more unit and three uh toffs to do so tomorrow then snobs yeah probably <laughs> um and then after i think i'm most excited about gamma wolves because james and you both got the book and that's mm. all fed into it so that's my first runner-up my second runner-up i think i think it's sludge Mm, makes sense because Feeds it's off mechanically interesting and I can just reuse a lot of models from Sludge uh, from Turnip 28 yeah, um, yeah I, I did find like there's quite a lot of 28 stuff out there obviously yeah. it, it came out of like Ink 28 so Inquisitor in 28 mil yes. because Inquisitor was an interesting game system where the miniatures were basically 54 54 yeah. mil so it means like oh, you haven't got any terrain and it, it requires a lot of terrain yeah uh, so Inc. 28 was like, oh, now you have access to all the miniatures the Games Workshop produce at this scale. Yeah. You can convert up what you like. Oh, look, all your scenery works already. Yes. Crack on. Um, 
Yeah, and enters the game ruled by a skill decision. Yeah, yeah, basically. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of twenty eights. There's, yeah. there's wheeled twenty eight. Oh yeah, that's all sorts and, of and, and loads of stuff. But uh, yeah, that's my that's my top three: turn up twenty eight, sludge, and gamma wolves. I'm looking forward to some horizon wars though. Um, so that was our third category, and it is five past ten. So I think we're going to cut it there. Yeah. We will resume next time with the Not a Bushido podcast Bushido moment of the year award, mm-hmm. which is great because that gives us some time to actually have a think about it and what models came out mm. and stuff. Doesn't have to be a model release; could be something that happened in the game. Mm-hmm. Could be spoilers going back to tournaments. Uh, it could be anything. Could even be a model I sculpted, but I can only talk about it if it's public. Uh, <laughs> could be a model someone else sculpted I don't know <laughs> we'll talk about it uh, then we will go on to most anticipated thing for 2022 and then we will run down our games of the year yeah so should be fun there'll be another hour oh easy yeah but we've started yes we have plans to start recording on a, hopefully on a schedule yeah every other week maybe I think a schedule will help yeah I I would like to come up with like every other time we do that we we do like one specific thing and then every other time it's something else free form yeah or yeah. questions or yeah I mean, questions we, could actually be really interesting it turns out we can probably talk about almost anything if you give us a little bit of time yeah yeah we might have to do research then all I mean that the is fuck true are you doing? well I have a Bushido topic that requires research oh shit yes it does so. We're not a Bushido podcast. However, I think Bushido's... Yeah, not a Bushido in it, though. <laughs> There's going to be some Bushido... I, I would like to see some regular Bushido content. I'd like to get back to doing the, oh, hey, we're just going to talk about this model yeah. for half an hour to 45 yeah. minutes. And, and like try, People try. liked it, and it was really good fun to do. Yeah, and that's actually quite easy. It does require a tiny bit of research, uh, and it requires more where, as we start moving into factions and... Uh, models, models that, that we, we don't use as much. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but I enjoy doing that, and it's a nice thing to just keep ticking over. I think the problem's been, for the last two years, the world has been on fire, and it's been hard to get into like habits. Yeah. Good ones, anyway. I've managed yeah. to get into plenty of bad habits. Uh, well, and keeping enthusiasm high. Yeah. It's been very variable. Yeah. It turns out that we need to see each other and be playing games in person. I need to be playing games in person. I don't really do the internet no. games too well. The, well, the games that I play online, and I play a lot of games online, but they are completely <laughs> different types of games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yes. So, I want to do those regular things. It'd be great if people could, like, send us stuff to talk about, questions mm. and stuff, but I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, I'm under no illusions about the size of our audience um, and how many of those people are just about the Bushido. Oh, yeah. Um, there's definitely podcasts out there that talk about things in much more uh, informed manner than us. Yeah, so, sure. Um, I'd like to give an honourable mention quickly yeah. uh, or recommendation to the Eat Rice Roll Dice podcast. Yes. I think it's that way around. Yes. Not Roll Dice Eat Rice. I don't know. He doesn't know half the time. I, I think. have it right here, I think. So, uh, those of you from the uh, Bushido. Discord, um, but also from uh, the Guild Ball community, will know of Beard and uh, Roll Dice, Eat Rice. There we go. Mm. Don't eat the dice. 
No, that's that's don't roll the rise and eat the dice. That's a bad way. Yeah, good luck. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's been getting guys on. He sent like he's got this hypothetical tournament he's running. He's like, "What's your list? What are you bringing? Mm. Let's talk about it." And he's had he's had Jason on uh, the designer, lead designer. He's Andy. had Andy on, who is the uh, let's call him an assistant designer. Yeah. Um, he's had uh, James James on. on to talk about cult. Yeah, uh, he had. Craig, Craig from Bushido from Cast. The Bushido Cast, which I think they're bringing back soon. I'm looking forward to yes. that. Uh, he talked about his Jung. Uh, there's another one, isn't there? Uh, show archive. Jason. Nope. No? Nope. That's it. That's, been, right. that's been four full length. He, he only wants to do one a month. I cannot blame him. I can absolutely appreciate that. Uh, they've been really interesting deep dives into people's lists. Mm. Uh, and it's nice, especially with like Jason and um, Andy. You get a little bit insight into uh, the design, design process and, well and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, that's that, those are my recommendations for now. Um, so join us soon. I'm going to try and put this out as early as possible because if this goes out, mm. it pressurizes. We, we have to do the other half to do the other half of it, whether that be remote or not. We'll yeah. see. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to us and we will uh, jabber at you again soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com at rde underscore podcast at Twitter and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook. Okay, Do so we want to talk about upcoming that we would like to be more regular for 2022? I, mean, yeah. I think I think uh, most anticipated doesn't have to be like a, an actual like well, we can narrow it down, but like mm. just all the things that we're looking forward yeah. to. So instead of actually a most anticipated, it's just going to be a rambling discussion of things we we want or is looking yeah. forward to. Cool. Yeah, 2022 can only be better. Things can only be better. Awards <laughs> 2022. <laughs> oh, <I'm there. laughs>